tonight, that they'll be filled tonight to overflowing, that you'll anoint them with fresh oil, that, Father God, that we will enter into all that you have for us to enter into, and that it'll be supernatural. And we thank you for it, bless you for it. Thank you for the angels that are with me tonight to help us preach and minister at this altar and to do works in people's lives tonight, to bring parts and to help us. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. You could be seated. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what a, this has been such a refreshing for me. And you know, I say this every year, but I mean it or I wouldn't say it, is that this is one of my favorite meetings to come to in all the years, more than the rest of the years. But I grew up in a Baptist church and they didn't believe in women preachers. And I hate to say this and to say that like I want to say it, but I've never heard so many anointed women in this conference. I mean, they have been anointed. And the guys didn't do bad either. But, but you, know, they, you know, the ladies have just been outstanding to preach and minister. And I've just been so refreshed by all of you. Thank you. And thank you, uh, Pastor Jordan, where are you at? Where'd you go? Over here? Over there, okay. Thank you for having summer camp. Yay. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read you. Did, were, did I tell you to turn to Acts 3? Please turn to Acts 3. We're going to read verse uh, 19 here. But I want to read part of a prophecy that was given to myself and about four or five other men in a back room in Siberia, Russia. I went three times. This was my first trip, 2002. And uh, after we would preach in an auditorium like here, there'd be a little door over there, and we'd go back in. This It was almost like a little closet. And it was just big enough for five or six men. They put some uh, chairs in there for us. And we were all sitting in that room with Dr. Dufresne, and we were shaking under the power of God. And one of those men that I knew quite well, uh, Gerald uh, Watson from Chicago, he'd been having severe heart trouble. And he jumped up in the middle of that, and he went, oh, my God, Dad, I'm having a heart attack. And he just fell flat over on his face. And Dr. Dufresne was seated here. And when he fell and hit the carpet, I was seated here. And I looked at the door, and in walked this angel put his hands on the back of his back, up where his heart would be, you know, and Dr. Dufresne put his hand on his head, and they prayed. Dr. Dufresne prayed for him, but I'd say 30 seconds, he jumped to his feet, and he was healed. Hey. And then this prophecy came forth from Dr. Dufresne. I would travel with him for 20 years, but this is one of the most anointed prophecies, and I want to read just some parts of it. Uh, all of it won't pertain to us tonight, but it says these are the men. He was referring to the, us in that room with him at that moment. Wouldn't it be sad if I hadn't been in that meeting? See, it could be life and death where you end up. You don't realize, I know you don't fully realize yet, but you will someday if you pay attention that being in a meeting like this, all the speakers, whatever they spoke into your life by the preaching or ministry of laying on the hand, see, it sets you in a different realm than the rest of people that don't have time to come to camp, don't want to come to camp, not interested in camp. All right. But he said, uh, he said uh, these are the men I'll send out all over the world with special anointings. And, of course, I've been on over 110 mission trips, not since then, but including then. 
It says uh, these men will have special anointing, special anointing, special works of God, special acts of God will flow through their ministries. These are surely the last days. Rise up, be strong, be healthy. See through the Spirit, hear from the Spirit of God. Now move across the land and do exploits in my name. And then he said, these are the men of the last days that are anointed by the power of God to do the acts of God who yield themselves to the acts of God. You got to yield to him. You know if God's going to use you. You know you're the best God's got. This next generation coming up behind me, I'm going to be 70 in about a month, but man, you got your full life ahead of you. And we're doing our best to impart to you everything I can out of me to you. And uh, it says, then he says, who are these women? Who are these women that God's raising up in these last days? My, my, my. Who are these men? These are the men that, glory to God, these are the men that will walk in the power of the acts of God and the healings of God and they'll move across the land. This generation, and I'm saying that to you tonight because this updates itself. This generation now uh, says... uh, Let me find my place. Praise God. This, let me see where I said. It says, uh, move across. This generation, there will be be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. Now think about that. Don't let that get away from you. And just see, do it. They do it. They don't do it and put it on TV very seldom. (laughs) Occasionally I might see something like that happen, but it's rare. Because either they're ashamed of it or don't know how to yield to God. You know, you've got to be word and spirit, people. You can't just be word, word, word. You can be word, yeah, that's critical. But you have to learn to move in the spirit, those that are gifted to move in the spirit, and the people cooperate that aren't that gifted. You know, everybody has anointing, though, on them to some level. Preaching real good right now. Yeah, anyway, I just want to read part of that because that's, I've got it in glass on a picture frame in my office hallelujah now I wonder I'm talking about I'm talking about tonight to you how to move in the supernatural how are you going to learn to move in the supernatural how are you going to learn to move in the flow of the spirit how are you going to learn I've got things I'm going to talk to you about tonight and uh, since time's getting away I'm going to not say this I was going to say right now but I, I made a little list here one time you might need revival if you lack interest in the word. You don't have any desire to get to the Bible. You know, you just got a social life and you got stuff to do, but there's not really any hunger or interest to get to the Bible. I would say you need revival. If there's no interest in your word level coming up higher, then you're backslidden. I know I'm the last speaker and it's been a great conference, but I'm, I'm going to talk to you about how you get in revival. How do you get in the supernatural? Is what I'm going after with you. And I put myself in a position to seek that out and to reach for that every time I go somewhere. And you know, I've been doing that for a long time, about 40, 43 years. This August will be starting my 44th year of ministry. And you know, I'm, I've learned a few things. I don't know everything, but I know something. And I just know that sometimes there's just a lackadaisical attitude in the churches. Sometimes they need to be stirred up. Number two, you might need revival if you don't have a consistent prayer life. You know, the only time you pray is when you're on the way to the emergency room. That's not going to cut it. And God may hear you like that if you're infant Christian, but that won't carry you through your life. You have to have a consistent prayer life. If you get convicted, just rejoice. You can change that all tonight. But you can't move in revival if you lack the interest in the word. You know, just, well, so what? 
Well, it's so what is a big so what? I mean, the Bible says and we need to believe that. And number three, you're never hearing from God clearly. It seems like it's muddled. It's, it's, it's conflicting or it's confusing. And there ought to be a clear word from God in your ear and in your heart from God. But problem is, if you're never hearing God clearly, you're probably not in the will of God, certainly not in His perfect will. And that's an earmark that you need revival in your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I want to believe that because I came to this meeting, I've been touched. I know that. And uh, I know I've been, I've been encouraging people like Amzie, where's he at? Is he back here somewhere? Yeah. To, to move out more in the spirit in our church. See, I was a member, I've been in this a long time. A couple more years, I've been saved 50 years. I went through different stages. And we don't hardly ever sing in the spirit anymore in our churches. I don't know why. So Amzie, I said something to him, prophesied to him, you know, start doing that when you can. Don't just do it because I said to, but just listen. And if you need to flow out, flow out. And then, and there was Madison this week. You know, Madison's sitting right here on the front row. And she took off and God gave her a song, you know, about fire. It was a good song, awesome song. Anointing came on that. Hallelujah. Here's another problem, though, if we think about you might need revival, if you become uh, negative, cynical, and pessimistic. You know, you have to judge yourself if you become negative, cynical, or pessimistic. Like, what's the use? That type, that, see, that's cynicism. That's being cynical. You can always change what is if you're willing to put forth an effort. And number five, if you are discouraged, depressed, or defeated, I'd say you need revival. I didn't say my life's perfect, but I've learned to handle pressure all these years, and I've let even the hard times strengthen me and teach me how to get beyond that to the other side of whatever that is. Yeah. And when the devil pushes me, I push back. Yeah. See? And we've got to learn to deal with stuff. There is stuff that goes on, but we don't have to let it beat us up and defeat us. Right. Hallelujah. You listening to me? All right, now let's get into the word here. Acts 3, I'm not going to preach real long, but Acts 3, 19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And it should read, So that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing, notice that's plural. Times of refreshing come from the presence of God. They don't come by good preachers. They don't come by sharp teachers. Doesn't come by just because we got a band, a hot band, and some instruments, but it comes from the presence of God. And that's what's made this camp unusual and consistent. Every camp I've come to, the presence of God, even when we were meeting upstairs in that little old bungalow over there years ago, and there was only 30 or 40 of us. Now there's 200 of us because we sought for the presence of the Lord to be upon us. But refreshing comes from the presence of God. Get that. Refreshing comes from the presence of God. Now let's go back to Isaiah 57 a minute. Isaiah 57, and before I read the scripture there, I want to say this, you know, what is revival? Because it said, you know, repent and be converted. The times of refreshing, and one translation says, times of revival shall come from the presence of God. This is the definition I have. It's, it's to restore from a depressed, inactive, or unused state to become active and flourish again. And the simple definition I like is a restoration of force in your life. There's something that comes onto you and into you through revival and times of refreshing that makes you have a push on you. You know, an umph to you. You know, when you say stuff, you're not just reciting it, but you're saying it and there's some authority in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, hallelujah. So we're talking, now here's a quality we have to have to be in revival. The second part of verse 15 of Isaiah 57 says to revive the spirit of the what? The humble. So you can't have revival if you're all prided out and all egoed out and it's all about you. No, that you can have revival if you humble yourself and just say, God, I need you. <laughs> I mean, I need you to survive. I need you to live. I need you to function in me. I need you to flow through me. I don't remember which speaker was saying that. Maybe Josh last night. You know, it's not about me. It's about him living through me. Yeah, yeah. I can't heal anybody, but he lives in me. That's the healer. And a lot of people get healed. And I get, anymore, I get miracles just about everywhere I go. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying, see, I've per, been pursuing that for about 30 years. And something's kicked in about, I would say, since 2017 at Pastor Randy Parnell's church. Something happened to me. Something happened to his wife now. Uh, but she had nine or ten diseases in her body, and she was dying. She's sitting right back there. And God healed all that. I laid hands on her. It probably lasted less than ten seconds. She fell out and got up, and God started working. Removed a tumor under her armpit that night while she slept. Restored her ability to eat food. She hadn't eaten any food down her intestines for two years. Had a feeding tube in her and her intestines as it came out of a backpack to feed her. Her stomach was dying. All kinds of stuff. Heart problems. And she wrote me a 10-page document. She's a registered nurse. She's a smart lady when it comes to medical stuff. But she get, couldn't work anymore. She was so messed up. Are you listening? Yes. Not bragging about me, but God used me and God touched her and healed her. And there she is. She's healed and home back at work now. <laughs> God will revive the spirit of the humble if we stay humble. You know, hum humility is not being uh, wimpy. It's just receiving the engrafted word. I don't know which speaker used that. James 1. Receive the engrafted word, you know, and it, it, and you receive it in a meek heart, a humble heart, is what that word says in James. See, when we get humble, we, 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 we realize that God is everything to us. I think as Jesus has said, you have to love him with your heart, your mind, your spirit, and your strength. That's the whole man going after him. I'm talking about how you're going to get into the supernatural, moving in the supernatural, or preparing yourself for a revival. We could say that. Now, so it says to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. That means just that you're sensitive to God, contrition. This means you're sensitive to God. If he speaks to you, you're willing to repent, turn it around. Now, let's go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, praise God. I think it's important to look at some scriptures. and We've got a whole lot of them, but I've got some things to say. Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 21 and the word says remember you not the former things neither consider the things of old that means we can't go back and think about what God's done but he's trying to put us in a different dimension now because he said behold or look I will do a new thing you know if it's a new thing you haven't been here before <laughs> you know I've never been here before I mean I've been in this building and I've been up here preaching but I've never been in this position spiritually before I've never been in this position by revelation before. I've never been in this area because I've upped my praying in tongues and different things that I study. 
Behold, I'll do a new thing now. It shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. So he says here, something could be going on, but you could miss it by not paying attention. I mean, if you're happy with the way things are, then maybe you're already in revival. But I'm just saying to you as an experience that I've known God all these years, he wants more for you than what you presently have. I would say, you know, uh, <laughs> there's more God wants to do for you. The only problem is it's right beyond your comfort zone where you start putting the brakes on. I don't, I don't want to change that much. Well, then you don't want revival. See, you, you've got to realize that. It's right beyond our comfort zone. Because we get comfortable. I don't know who said that. We get in a routine and we just stay in that routine if we're not careful. And never think you know, about what's new and fresh with God. You know, His mercies are new every morning. He's a living being. You're a living being. I'm a living being. I fellowship with Him every day and He's talking to me about whatever he needs to talk to me about. Sometimes correction, sometimes tweaking, sometimes he's encouraging me, of course, and he's giving me new scriptures or a new way to look at a scripture. And I'm, I'm, I'm hungry to receive that. I'm glad about it. He said, I'm going to do a new thing now, and shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many know there's normally not a river in the desert? And, and the beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and owls. These are two depictions, dragons and owls of demonic creatures, kind of. Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen, my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. We've been doing that all week here, lifting our hands, praising God, singing the song and worshiping him. Not worried about anybody else right then. We're just focused up on him, right? And paying attention to what he would want to do. So we see here, now, you know, this is interesting to me. You know, I, I had revival in my church, 95, 96, 97, part of 98, three and a half years, that anointing stayed on me from being in one meeting with my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne in California, in Temecula, California, 1995, and I brought it back to my church. And I just got up the first Sunday I got back and said, I got something out there. If you want to jump up here. And Pastor Rogan, he was one of the first ones up. Yeah, and, and, and he ended up on his back and he had his legs up in there. He looked like he was riding a bike upside down. It's one of the weirdest things I ever saw. And things like that began to happen, but not without meaning. Every service we had was different, very unusual manifestations. I'm not going to go down the trail too deep with you. But I want to talk to you about what is required, what's the criteria for revival. So number one, hunger. You've got a hunger for God. You've got to have a hunger after him. You've got to, you remember he said, I think it's in Matthew, he that hungers shall be filled. Hungers and thirst after righteousness, he shall be filled. So if you're not hungering, you're not getting filled. So a hunger for him or a covet, you covet his presence. So you covet his presence. So number one, hunger. Number two, expectancy. Remember the crippled man at the gate, beautiful, uh, Peter and John were about to go in, and he said, hey, you know, I'm crippled. How about, could you give me a coin or something? And he, he said, I don't have any gold on me, but what I have will take care of this. And the man looked at Peter and John, expecting to receive something from them. And he grabbed him by his arm, and he jumped up and began to walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. He began to walk. 
in a moment because he expected something. I went to Pastor Cowan's church in Nashville, Tennessee a couple years ago. I don't know, maybe it's 10 years now. And I was preaching on angels and uh, angels and money. And when I got done preaching, the anointing hit me. The place filled up with angels up on the ceiling. It was just a remarkable moment. I've had that happen more than once, but I had it happen right there in Nashville. And then the anointing hit me for bones. I said, anybody got any bone problems, get up here. I don't know how many people were there. My wife said probably 300 people came to the altar for me to pray. And I didn't say, stay with them one at a time and ask all the, I just laid hands on them and kind of ran through there. When I got back to the green room after that was over, because I prayed for 300 people, but I was almost running. I wasn't sure how many people were going to come. There's 1,200 people there. It takes time, you know. And I just tapped them on the head. Said, be healed, be healed, be healed. <clears throat> got back in the green room. There's my drivers that were taking my wife and I to the hotel and to the church when we were preaching. Had this lady between them said, Dr. Jacobs, this lady had rheumatoid arthritis. And they said, you probably didn't see her, but this is what she did to try to get up to the, to the altar. And she looked at me and said, I can run. I said, run, lady, run. And she, we ran around inside that green room together. God totally healed her of that arthritis. <laughs> See, expecting. You don't expect to receive something, I can't get it to you. You have to be open to respond to me. You have to be open to receive. I'm just trying to encourage you here. So expectancy, hunger number three, willing to explore. We just found that out. God doing something new, then you'll have to open up your Bible and search some of this out and find out how he wants to use you in a fresh way. I said in a fresh way. You're willing to explore. You know, what the problem has been sometimes, you know, I think it's Psalm 78, 41 says they limited the Holy One of Israel. And if they could do it under the Old Covenant, we're joined heirs with Jesus, for sure we could stop him. Stop God from moving in our life because we're limiting him. He can only do so much, but he couldn't do that. See, and in our minds, we shut down the power of God because we think, he, could he do that? Hey, he could do anything that the Bible says he could do. <laughs> Isn't that right? All things are possible to those who believe. That's us, and all things are possible to him. So we don't want to limit God and hold him back and, you know, things like that. So we need to be willing to explore and take the limits off of things. Next, next, we need to be willing to obey God. And I'll have scripture for you. It's in Matthew 5, 32. I think they'll put it up for us in a minute here. And it's just such a marvelous scripture, I think. Uh, Acts 5, 32. And I'll read it here. We are witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. See, God gives you things when you obey him. He doesn't give the Holy Ghost to those that don't obey him. <laughs> I don't mean the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost, but you have to be willing to move with the Holy Ghost. And if you'll obey things that God gives you, then he'll continue to give you more of the Holy Ghost to help you. The Holy Ghost is your helper, your teacher. Hallelujah. So when we're obedient, that causes things to happen causes things to happen. Number five, willing to change. You're willing to change. There was a prophet in the Bible and uh, he was camped a certain place and it says he drank from the brook every day and the birds brought him food every day. But it says after a while, the brook dried up. 
and it'll be that way for you in your life if you don't make changes. Eventually, everything you think you have now will dry up if you're not willing to move with him in the next step, the next dimension, the next moment, the next time. When he tells us to change, and then he sent him to a city. He said, go over here to this city, and there's a lady there going to take care of you. But when he got there, the lady was thinking about dying. Remember, she had enough food for one meal for her and her son. They were going to die. And he said, well, bring me something first because he, he was trying to get her to put a seed in something that he could work with to give her back something. Hallelujah. But see, he changed his whole way of thinking because after a while, things dry up. You know, I, I don't know if you realize this or not. It might be important to say this to you because you're young people and you're very social-minded. I know that, this generation. All generations are kind of like that. But you know, I've lost all my friends a couple times in the ministry because I obeyed God. Men that I used to respect and walk with and had good fellowship with, when I got hooked up with somebody, they all let, let go of me. They didn't want me around no more. You feel bad? Of course not. I was doing what God told me to do. I wasn't trying to remove myself from them, but when they found out I was hooked up with Dr. Dufresne, they, they didn't want anything to do with me. Are you listening? <laughs> I heard Dr. Summerall said he'd lost all of his friends five times. So I, he's got me beat by three right now. Anyway, but I'm serious about this. You know, I'm not hung up on people. And if they don't want to stay with me, they can just do whatever they need to do. I'm not mad at them. Some people just stay for a moment, and then they want me to endorse something that I'm not willing to endorse. And when they find out I'm not going to rubber stamp them, they depart. Because their motive wasn't right to begin with. Just preaching to you real good here. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, you have to stick with God no matter what you think it costs you at that time. And, you know, when you stay in, and, you know, I, <laughs> I went back to the church. I don't know, it's been a long time now, but probably 20 years after I left it. And they're still preaching the same thing, singing the same songs. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing's changed there except the preacher. But he acted just like the last 10 of them. No healing lines, no deliverance lines. My God, they don't even believe in that. See, you see, they didn't move with God's trying to move, and then we got to move with Him. You know, I had to leave my whole denomination over this issue because I got spirit-filled before I graduated from what they taught me, and they made fun of what I experienced in that Bible school, in that seminary. So I either had to stay and deal with all that, and God said, you just step away and leave because you're going to be a problem for them, and I'll take care of you. And you know He has. That was 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Talking to you about some things here. Now, let's go to back to, uh, to Isaiah 44 with me just a minute. And then I think we've got maybe one other scripture. Isaiah 44. Now, you know, the Bible talks about water as a type of the spirit. I don't know if you'll remember this. I'm in Isaiah 44. Just park there and I'll give you the verse in a minute. But Jesus said on the last day of the feast, he stood and cried and said, All that's thirsty come unto me and drink. And he said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit that should come when he was glorified. He wasn't coming until Jesus did his job and then left. And come to fill us, you know what I mean? Give us the new birth and then filling old. But he said that the Spirit was like waters inside a person. 
So when we read this, we need to read it with that in mind. When he's talking about water here, he's talking about the Spirit of God on your life. So he says, verse 3, Isaiah 44, 3, I will pour water, or the Spirit, upon him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. You could just be bone dry feeling like you haven't had an encounter with God in a long time, and he would flood your spirit. He would flood your being. He'll flood you out in a good way because he wants you to receive a refreshing tonight from him, and I will pour my spirit upon your seed. And I know most of you are not married in here. There's a few others that are, but I take that for my children, pouring his spirit upon my seed and my seed seed says that in another place in Isaiah, and my blessing upon your offspring. So even you young people that are, you know, maybe seniors, you might get married in the next three or four years or something. You ought to get scriptures like that and say, God, I believe you pour out your spirit upon my children when I get married and have babies. Hallelujah. But he says, I'm going to pour water upon those that are thirsty. In other words, that's a prerequisite. I have to want him to touch me. I have to want him to fill me. I have to want him to do something in me that's new and fresh. And it isn't like I started yesterday. I've been in this over four decades, almost 50 years in a couple more years in Christ, and 43 years in full-time ministry. So I'm not a novice. I'm not a beginner with this. But I just know there's always more. There's always more. I never want to limit him. And go one more scripture here. It's Psalm 92. Psalm 92 and verse 10. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is that right on the back? That's how long I've been preaching? 30 minutes and 25 seconds. That's a miracle in itself right there. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should have heard me one time when I was, uh, you know, not spirit filled. I would, well, even when I was spirit filled, just go on and on and on. Anyway. But uh, Psalm 92, verse 10, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. He's probably talking about a rhinoceros. I shall be anointed. This is what I want you to see, though. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. God says, I want to anoint you with fresh oil. Another translation says, I want to saturate you with fresh oil. Oil meaning a type of the Holy Ghost. See, the oil is a type of the Holy Ghost in the Bible. So I want to anoint you with a fresh anointing. Remember I told you I, I went to Dr. Dufresne's meeting. I went to Dr. Dufresne's meeting in 95 in Temecula, California. And, and, you know, I'd never been out there before. I'd gotten picked up with him in 93. And he said, you need to come out, Michael, to my camp meeting sometime in California. So I went in 95. And I was, uh, you know, I was over back in this congregation, a few rows, you know, back then. He saw me and he motioned me to come and he was on the, up on the platform. I got to him. They said he hit me about 15 times. Just boom, 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 up and down to my hips and my sh like that. And I, and I fell out and I couldn't get my back end off the floor and I just scooted back like this to the front row. And there was some people sitting there. There's a vacancy here. So I pulled in. I said, okay if I park here? And they said, sure. And I got up eventually I don't even remember what happened except I went back to my hotel and there was a guy that worked with me that we were sharing a room it was in a comfort inn but there wasn't no comfort about it at all it was a cheap hotel really cheap and I woke up at two o'clock in the morning I got prayed for about nine o'clock I woke up two o'clock in the morning I felt like electricity was shooting through me it was not painful 
but I felt like I was in a science fiction movie that looked like blue electricity was shooting through me and I was vibrating like this and my legs were shaking and I jumped up out of the bed too. I ran over the guy's bed beside me, ran into the bathroom. I said, well, I can't run in here. There's nowhere to run. I ran, <laughs> I ran over his bed, my bed, ran to the front door and grabbed the handle. And then I looked down, I'm in my undies. I said, I better not run outside though. You know, Indiana pastor busted for streaking, you know, in the parking lot. But what that was, that was the anointing coming on me. I, I mean, I, I mean, you go to hell for lying if I'm fabricating this. This is exactly what happened. And I came back home, my wife can tell you, and my kids can tell you, I'd freeze them out of every place. I, in my staff, in this, I mean, I'd have it turned down to 65 degrees in December. And they'd say, you're freezing us out because there was just such a heat on my, my body. For three and a half years, that stayed on me. And that anointing kept rolling and rolling, and every service we had would be different. <laughs> Hallelujah. We were in revival. We were in revival. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got a friend that used to be, what is, what is Jay Everly? He was a, what was he, what kind of back, huh? Mennonite. He was a Mennonite, and he, he brought revival to his high school. He was a Mennonite. I said, you need to write a book, Bonnets and Tongues. <laughs> yeah, God wants to do something in your life tonight that's special. So this is what I want to say. If you want, if you want to be healed, I can just tell you what the anointing in me will do. It could heal you. You could get delivered tonight if you need that. You could be healed. You, you get other impartations that come as I lay my hands on you and just come and receive. Just be open to receive when I lay hands on you. If you're sad, if you're depressed and things like that, you get in the same prayer line and God will deliver you. If you'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I pray for people all over the world. I was in Siberia, one of those trips, and I got up and I gave my testimony about being an ex-drug addict. And I said, if you're currently an addict today, you're not, you're, not in a, you're not in a halfway house. You're a drug addict right now. I want you to run up here. 37 people came forward. And I, I laid hands on them, cast the devil out of all 37 of them. Hallelujah. They got delivered. Are you listening to me? So I'd like uh, the team to come back, whoever's coming to sing for me and for us. And I'd like you to stand with me. And then I want you to come reverently to the front whenever you feel led to. And I'll begin to minister to you in just a minute. Just give me a little room up here to walk.